You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 249 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. You know what? I'm feeling uh, a bit fancy today. Why is that? I've got um, new Ugg boots and we probably have to define that for the non-Australian listeners. Uh, Well, considering that it's not owned by Australians anymore, I think it's probably owned by Americans. Yeah. But so everyone (laughs) knows what Ugg boots are, don't they? Well, yeah, sort of like sheepskin on the inside of – and then, yeah, boots that sheepskin on the inside. It's like a hug for your feet, Val. (laughs) It's a yes. hug for your feet, and you can have that hug. You can use that as your um, line now if you want to, but I feel so happy. <laughs> Brand new Ugg boots. So now I've got good Ugg boots, and I've also mm-hmm. got the secondary pair, which are maybe the you know the, the ones that I'll take outside, but I'm going to keep these nice just for inside. But, yeah, my feet are having a lovely hug at the end of a long day. How are you going? I'm good. I've been really busy. I'm flat out this week. I am heading to Brisbane. Um, I've got I've got uh, three conferences in four days in two states, and it's going to be busy. Fantastic! But you get <laughs> you really you have to be really organised when you're doing stuff like that, and you've got your little travel planner where you tick things off, don't you? So you remember. Not to leave yes. undies in drawers and that that's, that's like, it's right. an app, it's an app, isn't it? Yes, it's called Trip List, not sponsored. Yeah. So trip trip list, you can have different lists. So I have a packing list for my domestic travel and I include it, you know, like your camera charger, your phone, your all but also your toiletries, anything, you know, that you need to bring. It's really useful because before that app I would always <laughs> forget something. Yeah, I'm big for the list, uh, especially if I'm packing gear for a shoot. I have a list that I refer to because the last thing you want to do is leave a USB cord or a card reader or like, you, you know, you just want to make sure that you've got everything on the list. So I always uh, check check off the list, a hard drive or make sure you've got your laptop charger batteries, cards, everything. I think it's essential. I reckon it's a good idea to have a list, photocopy a whole heap of them and just keep them in the top of your camera bag and actually go through uh, the exercise of checking everything before you head out on a shoot. I've heard so many uh, sob stories about, and there I was, and it was the most amazing Mm. location and all the stars were aligned and the moon was orange and no card in the camera. Yeah. 
It's happened to me too. It's happened with you when we were shooting together. Like, quick, get the camera, get the camera. The battery's flat. The card. I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, it's been like that. But also we want to – Give a big shout-out to Ronald Fritz. Isn't that right, Gina? Yeah. So Ronald Fritz is a regular, long-time listener to the podcast and active member of the Facebook podcast community, the So You Want to Be a Photographer (laughs) Facebook. Yeah, what was that, Gina? (laughs) (laughs) My my mouth doesn't work, Valerie. Uh, (laughs) uh, He's a member of the Facebook community and one of his images was – featured in uh, Nat Geo's uh, online uh, website, and it's a shot of uh, some uh, cave what, – what are they, cave people in it's a cave in Vietnam? It's the Dung Cave yeah. in central Vietnam. And it's a beautiful image. Uh, that and good on you, Ronald. That's fantastic. Congratulations! And um, to anyone listening, I, I reckon you've got to be in it to be recognised. And there are so many opportunities to get your work out there and be seen. So, you know, if you shoot with a particular camera, a brand of camera, then and you're sharing your work on Instagram. All, every camera manufacturer, every lighting manufacturer, every, you know, triggers and software and all of these people have really active, uh, Instagram, um, um, profiles. And when you're posting your images, tag them and let them know so that, and they will go and look. And if they like your work, they might share it and it gets, it gets you out there and, and recognized. And, and there's also, uh, lots of free photo contests that you can win where you can get your work out there in front of lots of people and don't be afraid. And also even in the Facebook community, share your work and it gets seen and uh, you start a conversation, you'll make friends, with like-minded friends. I think it's a great thing to do. A lot of people are often nervous to share their work, but you never know what's sharing that photo. You never know where that might lead you. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to be in it to win it. Absolutely. All right. So what else have you been busy doing, Gina? Uh, so uh, I did a, a big shoot today with some AFL football players and that will end up uh, in billboards all over Melbourne. So wow. I'm excited about that. That that was cool. And also – Are you allowed to say which team? No, no, because it's like, you know, let, let me be professional, but they'll be out okay. there. And I also mm-hmm. – um, while we were shooting that, I uh, took uh, did some. Bo- cheer the red on the white. No, it's not the Swans, everyone. I know who. That's it is. your it's team. Um, <laughs> but I actually uh, got some behind the scenes, and I just thought that this whole the whole process of doing that shoot and how it's all put together uh, would make a great tutorial for the Goldies. So um, yeah. yeah, if you're a gold member, just uh, stand by. That that will be shared with you very soon. The other thing we did this week, Val, was was uh, I had my AMA with the gold members ask me anything, and uh, yep. this uh, month we 
pretty much did a masterclass on doing group portraits. So I went through everything from the planning to the posing to um, positioning people to the lighting. And then finally, the most important part, we talked about uh, directing, how to direct those group portraits and how to how to control a, a large group when you've got, say, 20 or more people and the lighting considerations are different and and so uh, we talked about that, which was um, great fun. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, if you're interested in finding out more about the gold community, have a listen to this. Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold Community. The Gold Community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production. You get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls and heaps more. As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So what are you waiting for? Join the Gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com. All right, welcome back. So apart from the awesome people in the gold community, if you're not quite ready to take that step, although I highly recommend that you do, you can take the step of going into our listener community in face on Facebook. So just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. It's free to join. We'd love to have you in there. It's great fun. Lots of people from all walks of life, from all different types of photography as well. So there's been lots of questions in that group. So what we thought we would do this episode is go through some of these questions, which are fairly common questions in some cases, and answer, um, you know, and answer them. So our first question is uh, from actually, Sue. Uh, th- th- this one from Sue is not a question. It's okay. a follow-up to our ah. uh, my little Fuji review last week. From and last week, Sue yep. had a really good tip on uh, straps. So you can go ahead and read Okay. <laughs> so Sue also bought a little Fuji mirrorless for traveling. Um, and Sue says, took great pains to attach the strap correctly. However, Sue says, I was out practicing with the camera one day when one end of the strap came completely undone. It was just lucky I was holding the strap at the time or the camera would have fallen on the ground. So I went and bought one of these straps and it's brilliant. It comes with two sets of the little toggle thingies. So I keep one set on my Canon and the other on the Fuji and can use the strap on either and know it's safe and secure. Now we've got the link in the show notes, which you can find at ginamilitia.com. But the strap itself is from Peak Design. That's P-E-A k design.com and it's called slide light 
Yeah. It's pretty good, they're Gina. At, what you- I have them for my Canon and they're mm. brilliant. It's like such a clever system. You just you, – you've got toggles. So you know how you've got those little hole bits that you thread the – metal through on your camera Mm, well they've mm. designed like a little button that you just actually tie onto those uh bits the loop bits on the camera and then you've got these amazing beautiful straps and then if you want to remove them it's just a matter of unclicking and clicking it's so so simple and they've got like a variety of designs you can get like a, a more heavy duty one for a DSLR camera which is obviously going to be a much heavier unit and then they've got mm. like a, a finer uh, lighter strap for smaller mirrorless and, and compact cameras but the design itself is just brilliant and I would love 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 to see all camera manufacturers include a strap system similar to this Mm. uh, with their cameras because it just makes life so much easier and yes I have had um, because on the Canon camera it's like it's not uh, the Fuji has like a bit of wire that you've sort of got a um, thread onto the hooks but the Canon system has this this uh, Thing where you thread it through and lap it and cross yourself and cos plus time. It's very, <laughs> again, it's like very confusing. And I've actually had uh, like a 1DX or some equally expensive camera where I thought I've threaded it on and attached it properly and it's un undone itself over time and the, and the camera's like only been hanging off one thread, which is like if you drop a eight or $10,000 camera, uh, from a hot, it's not pretty. So you want to know <laughs> that these straps are so important because that's the difference between your camera being safe and it smashing onto concrete. So th- yeah. that's why I really love um, systems like this Peak Design. They're not, they're not cheap. They're like you know fifty bucks a pop. But so it's forty nine ninety five. Forty nine for, for 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 one, and there's like I think the DSLR ones are even more expensive, like a, a little you know eighty nine. But you think about it. That investment could save you thousands of dollars because you know that your your strap is is secure, and it, it's not just the secure bit; it's the fact that you can take it on and off so mm. so easily. All right. So then we have um, a question from Christy. Christy has asked, "Tell me what you think makes good street photography." I'm just beginning to explore it. And she's uploaded some photos, which if you go into the Facebook group, you'll be able to see them. Um, and she's uploaded these photos from Pennsylvania in the US. And there are a variety of street scenes, including one, there's a shot of um, some Amish men who are doing some renovations at a local pizza shop. Um, another one is dancing to music at the pool and also just one, there's one of guys walking from bar to bar in a small town in Pennsylvania. So a variety of different shots, um, but basically it's street photography, yeah? So what's your advice, Gina, on what you think makes good street photography? Yeah, fantastic question, uh, Christy. Uh, so basically I think when you're starting out as a street photographer, you you need to be able to invest the time to be out there shooting. So I think before I make that definition, what I would encourage you to do is make sure that you have a camera that you have with 
you at all times. And so I, I would recommend like the best cameras for street photography are just like small compact or even a phone camera where you just have it with you at all times and it's a fixed lens, not a zoom, because what you want to do is you want to be moving with your feet and really understanding how to frame up subjects and uh, seeing those images. And if you are forcing yourself to go out and shoot every day, even if it's just on your walk to work or in your lunch hour or on your walk home, or you just take 10 minutes a day to go out and take a couple of shots, you're going to start seeing more and more images. So what you focus on expands and the more you look, the more you'll start to see. So that gives gets you into the practice of starting to really recognize uh, interesting scenes uh, and, and, and interesting light. The next thing I would uh, recommend that you do is start to look for uh, and and this is in your somewhere where you're going to a lot. So your your local suburb is fine, or if you're working in the city, then get out and about. But start to look for uh, interesting backdrops and think about it as uh, like a stage. That's the setting for the background of an image, and that's what I do. I often I'll I'll look at something, I'll go, that is a great background of a shot. It just needs uh, that human element walking through it. So often I'll find mm. a backdrop. And then I'll wait for someone interesting to come onto the stage. So it might be someone on a bike uh, riding past, or it might be someone walking past. And then uh, you you become more discerning about the types of figures you want in your frame. So you know, do you want the uh, the woman in the pink bright fluoro pink tracksuit walking through your frame? <laughs> I personally don't but I know there are a lot of photographers who would just be going oh my god thank you universe for bringing me this gift mm. uh, of the pink uh, track suited lady because it suits their style so you really need to think about what it is you're wanting to say and what style really resonates with you so I encourage you to uh, look into the past and start looking at uh, street photographers and look at the ones that really speak to you and there'll be styles that you'll just gravitate towards naturally and there'll be other styles that you go I just don't understand this and if that's what pops (laughs) into your mind then that's probably not for you but there'll be other styles that you go wow I love I love black and white street photography or I love uh, poppy colours or I love – there are street photographers that will um, almost poke fun at people, you know, with the way they'll they'll photograph them. And then there are ones that they'll go around and they'll make everyone look heroic and amazing or life to look epic. So really hone in on that and think about what it is – that you uh, like in your street photography and then spend some time even trying to replicate uh, the work of the masters that you love. I think that's a a good start. Um, And I think that that's, yeah, I I completely agree. Look at some other street photographers in order to get your inspiration. Yeah. And then, and then you'll start to, and then, and then you want to break down those photos. So it's like, what is it about that photo that you like? Is it, is it, uh, the high contrast? Then you think about, well, what time of day was that image shot? And if you're, if you're not sure, then you find an image that you really love, then something like our Facebook group, post that image and go, Hey guys, I really love this image. How was it shot? And then you will get. <laughs> 
a dozen answers where people will tell you exactly how it was shot, exactly what time of day, and then maybe you can then go out and try and replicate that. And from there, you'll start to go, all right, well, I like this about this image. I don't particularly like this. And you can borrow, you can cherry pick uh, different styles and different qualities of the images that you like. So that's that's a start. Um and also what you want to be thinking about is focal length. So you want to be close to the action. So I recommend that you shoot on a 35 millimeter focal length or less and get right up close to the action. There are um, techniques called pre-focusing. We've covered this in previous podcast episodes. If you want to um, search back, uh, you can find that technique or, or um, post a question in the Facebook group and uh, we can explain it again. But that's a great way to, so you're not worrying about um, having to shoot quickly and focus. Pre-focusing is a great way. Uh, you want to be carrying a small light camera so that you look inconspicuous and you want to shoot at a higher aperture, uh, say around five, six or higher so that you're going to get a lot of detail in the image. And then you don't need a tripod. You want to maybe look as uh, inconspicuous as possible. I think that, that that's uh, the important part of it. And uh, just get out there and shoot, shoot, shoot. So I think that um, if you're asking what kind of street photography is good or what makes street photography good, um, you're at a level where you're exploring. So I encourage you to, because there's that book by Austin Kleon called Steal Like an Artist, and to really look at some of the classics and some of the more modern street photographers. And as Jean said, replicate that style, not to try and pass off your work as any of them, of course, but just for practice, because that will help you then develop your own style. So even if you're looking at, you know, classics like Henri Cartier-Bresson or Robert Doineau, who's, you know, did the famous one of the kiss that was big, you know, yeah. a couple of decades ago, Diane Arbus was a really great female um, street photographer, um, but Bill Cunningham, of course. Fantastic. Um, great street photographer. So look at some of those for inspiration. And as Gina said, you'll be drawn to some and you'll just not like some others. And, and, and that's a good yeah, way to start. And what you said, that, that list there, they're all classics. They're all like from, um, you know, the 50s and 60s. Uh, stick to the classics when you're looking at research. Well, Bill's a bit more recent. Yeah, but maybe he was 80s and 90s was his heyday, mm. so it's still not – he didn't have an Instagram account. Sure. Uh, my point is that often um, when you're new to a certain genre, if you go and research uh, sort of modern-day photographers on Instagram, you might love their work, but you might also – find that they're um, heavily inspired by photographers of the of the past. So I think you'd be um, better off going back uh, I agree. You know, into the 50s and 60s and looking at what the, the, the original uh, street photographers yep. and having a look at their work uh, and, and, and then you'll know um, and, and you can be inspired by those rather than modern-day street photographers. And then you'll ha- start to develop a discerning eye and you'll recognise uh, who the street photographers of today are that are actually original, creating original work. Mm, I agree. All right, let's move on to our next question, which is from Ivar. And Ivar says, since listening to the podcast, I have more confidence in trying to make money and enjoy my photography. I have been visiting car meetings. 
and doing old timer shoots to promote my work. I would love some feedback and tips on getting more clients. And uh, Iva has also provided us a great shot of a beautiful um, the steering wheel from a vintage Fiat. Looks awesome. You must like that, Gina. You I like do. Fiat. I do. <laughs> so, um, uh, and of course, that uh, shot is in the show notes at GinaMilitia.com. But Gina, what's your advice on some feedback and getting tips on getting more clients? So I think you've uh, started off really well by going to those swap meets. And if you are a vintage car enthusiast, there are swap meets. Like they happen every Sunday all over the world and there are also uh, vintage car clubs where it might be the Fiat 500 club and uh, or, or whatever vintage car you want so that the, and there are auction houses and there are collectors and there are groups on Instagram and Facebook join all of them and participate uh, at, for the next little while, just be an active member of those groups and learn as much as you can just for the love of it about these cars and develop relationships with these people. Now, if you're going around to say those swap meets where the cars are all there and you can happily photograph them, then I would start uh, shooting those images and then maybe sending some of the collectors, Hey, I, I shot your car. Uh, and, uh, here's, here's one of the images. I would really love to, uh, shoot this for my folio. Would you be interested in doing a photo shoot with me, bringing the car and then coming up with some ideas? And so you're, you're developing a relationship and you're also building your folio that way. And that's going to, uh, open a lot of doors for you in, in terms of getting more work from these people because what you can then do is uh, eventually you can become uh, well known as a specialist in the field of vintage cars and there are some lucrative positions with auction houses where there are photographers that are paid full-time gigs to just travel the world photographing vintage cars for auction houses where they build uh, purpose-built uh, outdoor studios like made of scrims and when they'll, they'll go to the site of where the car is and they'll photograph it and that's at the very high end and you know some of these vintage cars are worth a, a great deal of money so uh, the enthusiasts love to have great photos of them so that's probably the end aim but in the meantime just getting yourself known and out there with these people and shooting and being generous at first yeah. and developing your the, those relationship the relationship is everything developing those yeah. relationships getting some building your folio so tr trying to get every opportunity you can the first time you shoot a car um, you're going to see that, oh, I wish I had have done this or the time of day wasn't right. But, you know, by the fifth, sixth, seventh time you've done it, if you're improving every time, by the end of it, you're going to have this fantastic folio of beautiful cars. And then you can position yourselves as a vintage car specialist. Have you got anything to add to that, Val? No, I think that's some um, really great, great advice. And if you love cars, which I assume that you do, I mean, what a better, there's no better way to just be spending your weekend than hanging around with cars and photographing them. How fantastic. Mm. Love it. All right. So we have a question from Malcolm, the photographer. I love that. Uh, so Malcolm says, I enjoyed episode 245 on animal photography, even though I thought I'd never be using some of those tips and techniques. Now, out of the blue, I've had a request to photograph a litter of 10 puppies. Oh, how 
yes, yeah, I'm gone. And I'm trying to balance out that the great image that's on the pedestal of my imagination against the potential chaos in the depths of my fears. I think Malcolm should also be a writer. But anyway, so I'd welcome any tips and suggestions from those with relevant experience. The dog only would like a group shot of the puppies in around four weeks' time when the puppies are seven to eight weeks old and before they're all rehomed. More than this, she's asking for a picture of them all in a line. Oh, my goodness. My thinking is that getting all 10 in a line has a likelihood of approximately 0%. So the way to go is to shoot in front of a plain backdrop and go for a composite shot. I can handle the editing, but I'm not sure about the practicalities of the shots themselves. For example, for my human portraits, I generally use studio flash, but I guess this may freak out the puppies. Also, any thoughts on the best way to organize the shoot would be welcome. I have to rely on the owner for puppy wrangling. Now, can I just say, any doggy who has had 10 puppies in a go needs a medal and I'm sure that's fairly common but imagine popping 10 of those out my goodness haven't you seen when uh, a a mummy doggy is is feeding her 10 puppies the look on her face have you not ever seen that Val no what's the look on her face she just looks exhausted but quite it's just (laughs) the most beautiful sight um but it's exhausting because when they're like imagine having 10 toddlers running around Mm, which is like and they're they're chewing on her ears and Mm. and she's just the poor thing's just exhausted Mm. so Malcolm this just this just sounds like the most beautiful shoot. Um, oh, it sounds like so much fun. What, you should video it. It looks like so much yeah, fun. Yeah, please do and upload the video to the yes. Facebook community because we would just like it will be shared. Yeah, it would oh. be. Um, so I think uh, I, I like your thinking here um, with the composite shot, but I'm trying to think of ways that you can get away without doing a composite, but I would cover myself and plan to do both. Uh, I agree with you about – uh, not using flash, I think that um, it would just be maybe freak them out. So what you need to mm. do is there needs to be a bit of planning in thinking about where um, and and I'm hoping that this particular breeder um, isn't that far away from you that you can do a visit and a site check and mm. find some great garage lighting. So hopefully there's a barn or something that you can, uh, you have light, nice directional light flooding in where you can work with that beautiful daylight because that's just going to make uh, life easier. You want to make sure that if you're shooting with daylight that you've got a fast enough shutter speed that if the puppies are a bit active that you can um, control movement. Um, what what a, a good suggestion would be, and you can ask the uh, owner of the puppies when do they because they nap a lot puppies sleep a lot so Mm. imagine just after they're fed uh, they would all go to sleep so possibly they would be sleepy and you could get them in a line um, would be a a good a good thing the other uh, thing that I thought of and they're about seven weeks old so seven or eight weeks old so they've got those big paws and long Mm. Um, they've all oversized and gangly, right? So could you get them in a line and have your tripod low and have them running across uh, some sort of meadow towards you? So you, <laughs> don't you think that would be cute? I would want that filmed. So you just have them in a line when they're hungry and maybe you have like all these treats where they're and you just everybody calls them and they all run towards you, hopefully not towards each other. Um, now, 
if you lock, if you set it up so that you've got continuous focus and you lock off your um, frame so that it's not moving and you've got them all to run towards you or what you could do is imagine, okay, Val, so imagine, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when uh, people do um, running in the Olympics and let's picture the 100 meter sprint, all right? You know how there's a lane for everyone? Everyone runs in their own lane. So imagine that the puppies, uh, and this is an imagined lane, but you want to all have them in a, you want to designate an area for Dave, puppy number one, Sharon, puppy number two, Linda, puppy number three, (laughs) right? And so on and so on. They all have a designated area that they're allowed to run in. Okay. And Mm -hmm. so what you could do is you could get one puppy to run towards you at a time in that designated lane. So you make sure that they're not allowed to go uh, overlap into anyone else's lane. All right. So you call it, it takes a bit of work, but this would look fantastic because you could do multiple shots. So Dave runs in lane number one, and then you get Sharon to run towards you in lane number two. And that's a separate frame. Linda in lane number three, Gregory in lane number four, Andrew in lane number five, right? Got it? And they're all separate shots. And then you merge those 10 files together and you'll get a group shot of all the puppies running towards you. Great idea. So you can do exactly the same shot with them all um, at at sleepy time and so that you (laughs) you could composite the shot together. I think it would have to be... Hopefully you could get it in one frame. I imagine it would be difficult, but wait for when they're asleep or try the running towards you in the line or try even um, you line all the bowls up for their food in a line and then have them all eating in a line. Could yeah, be that's, quite that's actually a really good one. That's that a good one. Do the, do the bowls, yes. In a little um, bowl. Can I just say I just want to be there. We all want to be there. We all want to be there. We're hands up. Do you need an assistant? Mm. We're coming. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love puppies. All right, so we have from Shannon a question. Now, Shannon has uploaded a photo, a landscape, well, landscape in, um, you know, direction, but also a landscape shot of a, it looks like like kind of a sound or a lake or out to the sea with some grassy swampy stuff in the foreground. Then we've got the sea, we've got a sailboat about a bit more than a third of the way up with the horizon line, also with a bit of a headland. Then the next third is kind of sky. And then the next third is these fantastic clouds. The clouds are brilliant in this shot. So Shannon has said, I'm very new to this, working on my composition straight out of camera to my phone with no editing. At this point, a straight horizon is something to be excited about. Constructive critique, please. Thanks for the podcast. Love listening to you too. Thank you, Shannon. Um, But yeah, comments about uh, composition, Gina. I think uh, the composition looks fantastic. You've used the rule of thirds. uh, So Mm. you've got uh, the top two thirds, uh, sky and beautiful sexy clouds there and then you've got the bottom third of the frame where you've got the water so it's not a like often uh, a beginner will shoot so that the horizon line is dead smack in the center and what that does is it sort of uh, it stops your eye what you want 
in the reason that we talk about composition and leading lines and the flow of an yeah. image is when you want what you want is the person that's looking at the image you want their eyes to remain on that image and be able to flow through the image rather than just look at it and be stopped mm. in their tracks right. and so there are a lot of elements in this image that you've used to create that so you've got the the sky, the two-thirds sky, and then you've got sort of the angle that you've shot. You've shot very low to the ground, so you go, um, the water leads us up through the sky, and then you've also got this really interesting foreground ele- element, that kind, of, which is the long grass that kind of snakes its way uh, through the image. So you, you're led through the grass, along the lines of the grass to the the sailboat that's on the horizon and then so that leads you through the image uh and uh it, it, I, I think i think you've done a, a really beautiful job on this image it's uh you know straight straight out of camera to your yeah. phone with no editing it's uh beautifully exposed that little sailboat yep. a third of the way in Again, yep. is Perfect. a uh, a it, it, like it's a it's a really lovely image. I think congratulations, uh, well yeah. done. Yeah, I really love the clouds too. I think that they're really nice and soft. Um, all right, brilliant. So that brings us. That's the end of our questions for this week, yes. Gina. Yes. Brilliant. What are you doing in the coming week? So I've got a. Um, an editorial shoot to do and um, some publicity for TV. So it's going to be a a very, very busy week. Um, And then I've also got some tutorials to record for the gold members. Um, And then I've got to break in my new Ugg boots, Val, which is – Of course. They don't really need breaking. No, they need to get my um, foot groove into them. You know when you've worn shoes for a long time and you just put them on and you just know they're yours because they've got your – Have you ever put on secondhand shoes from someone else? No, I've never, ever You would never do that, would you? You wouldn't buy secondhand shoes. not. In a million years, because sometimes I've seen like really cool boots, and I've like at a, at a, like a swap meet or something like that, and I'm like they mm. look really cool, and and then I put them on, and but there's someone else's groove in them, mm. and it's like I can't live up to someone else's groove in these <laughs> shoes. I just can't because it's like that's worn into the shoes, right? Mm. How long would it take for your groove to wear into someone else's groove? Well, yeah. And is it even possible? Is it? This, this is the stuff that I think about constantly, mm. Valerie Koo. Oh, my God. Do you worry? You need to think about other things. You think? <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. What are you doing? What am I doing? I'll be on planes, trains and automobiles for the rest of the week. I've got so much on. Um, yeah. And I'll so be, be basically up in doing Brizzy. that. I will. I will. I will be fulfilling art orders. Actually, I launched my winter collection for um, my artwork, and I saw that. And I have selling. to ask you, and it's been selling. Congratulations! Yes. Um, so you posted a video on Instagram, um, mm-hmm. which was like a compilation of all your artworks. How many of yep. those did you photograph yourself? Um. Well, all of them. That's amazing, Val, using the technique that you learnt from the podcast and the gold community. Yeah, absolutely. I would say all of them. 
So how's that going? How's that that uh, photographing your art? Are you, are you getting the hang of it? Have you learnt anything else? Is there anything that you can share I with us that you've? Um... Yeah. So I need to do my next batch because what I have what I found was when I was photographing, say two or three at a time, it was just really stressful because it just was. <laughs> so I need to um, photograph, you know, seven or ten at a time. Yeah. And then you get into a flow, you yeah. get into a groove, yeah. and um, that's definitely what I will be doing with my next batch because not actually – it actually wasn't stressful. The part that was stressful, to be honest, was setting it up and packing it down because so, there's so many you, bits and pieces. Right, but the actual photography, not stressful. You can't have a purpose-built area to photograph this, your artwork. At this point, no, but I am – but I think the way for me to uh, get over that is to, yeah, batch them. Yeah. If I had a purposeful area, it would not be stressful at all no. because now I've, you know, thanks to you, I've worked out how to photograph it. It's only the setup and pull down that, you know. And have you. It's my feet. I always bang I, the, the stands right. against my calves. Well, here's know. another suggestion. Have you considered uh, mounting your lights from the ceiling rather than having them on stands in the floor? Because I know you don't want them set up permanently because mm. you need that space for other things. But there are. Um, Things that you can buy that they mount into the ceiling, and then your lights. That, that, that it's like a yes, but the artwork varies in width, so yeah. you do need stands that can be operated by a voice activated mover, in other words, a human to move the lights in and out. Mm, depending that you on could the have length, a whole the, the pulley system where the lights go in out across. Okay, up, down. I'm not going to be renovating my hot house mm, so that I can I think this. so. I think this is what needs to happen. One day, Gina, when I have a gigantic studio and I have my own photography section of it, then we can work like on that. Like Jim Carrey's studio. Have you seen his oh, studio? Yeah, you, it's pretty amazing. amazing? Isn't it? Oh, my God. That's I your know. aim. That's what you want. I know. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish in my dreams. <laughs> one day, one day. <laughs> All right. Anyway, where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A and I'm at Gina Militia on all social media and if you want to take your photography to the next level, then you might want to consider checking out the Gold community and start taking amazing photos of your art like Valerie is uh, <laughs> and that's at ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram, and you can also find me at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.